wrong place because as we heard everybody got up here just talking about how good it is to be able to say thank you for another day and I'll be the first one to tell you um, I lost my little oh um, I'll be the first one to tell you it's been a lot of funerals and things going on um, you know um, during this pandemic time we just lost a lot of people we just went to a funeral last week and it looked like as soon as we got that one we got another phone call somebody else and passed away and everything you just got to be thankful and you better be intentional in your living yes. amen just be intentional in your living you don't need to be 65 to wait to go on no vacation you better you better get it in amen you get get waiting on retirement retirement may never come my cousin's husband died the last day before he was to retire all them hopes and plans and waiting and waiting and was going to do all this stuff and they ain't get to do none of it. So be intentional with your living. With that said, y'all know me. I believe if you laugh and pray every day, you've had a good day. And on that note, when I die, whoever's living after me, and you can get a hold of my cell phone, just text all my family and friends who got the body. Y'all ain't even get that one. Amen. Amen. Yeah. But nevertheless, we're here to share a word from God. If you have your Bibles, please stand for the reading of Psalm chapter, Psalms 10. Psalms 51, I'm sorry, verse 10. Psalm 51, verse 10. Amen. Amen. Now to say amen. Psalm 51, verse 10. Just going to read down through the 13th verse. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me. And sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. God, we thank you for this hour of preachment. We ask, Lord God, that you would quiet our hearts and our minds that we might receive a word from you. We ask, Lord God, now that there be any distractions in this place, you remove it right now. We need to hear from you, God, like never before. We're asking you, Lord God, to speak to us that we might be spoken to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I just want to speak to you for a brief moment. It's time to get my spirit right. Time to get my spirit right. You know, I think a lot of times, oftentimes, that's a sore subject in the church. We get quiet in the church when we talk about the things that apply to us. It's all right if you can elbow your neighbor. It's all right if you can text somebody and say, hey, the preacher was talking about you this morning. But when the shoe is on your foot and when it applies to us, that's oftentimes where we have a problem. And I just want us to focus on us. People always say, 
fix the world. Let there be a better world. You know how we can have a better world? If there's a better you. If there's a better me. That's how we fix the world. David, of all people, was somebody we know that God loved. That God selected. God had anointed. But David did a whole lot of things that would not fit into the category of holiness or righteousness. This is why I think a lot of us can identify with David because David was, was very much anointed, but David was very much human. David did a lot of things that would blur the line and have some thinking. How can this man be anointed and do the things that he is doing? I think some of us, especially as we grow in grace and knowledge and we get seasoned, sometimes we have a tendency to forget where we were, the things we used to do. And had it not been for grace, had it not been for the covering of God, we would be in a worse a position, a worse a predicament than we're in now. But God saw fit to allow us some grace and some mercy. But David was in a place, and I love this particular psalm, because we got to understand the verbiage here. A lot of times we don't understand context because we don't understand language. David said, create in me a clean heart. You know why that's so important? Because that's something you can't do on your own. Man can invent things, but man can create nothing. Oh, that's heavy right there. Because David said, create in me a clean heart. See, this is why a lot of times you go from one bad relationship to the next bad relationship. And then you leave out of that bad relationship and get into another bad relationship. And then you want to blame everybody that you've been in a relationship with as having the problem. But you keep taking a bad heart or a broken heart or ill feelings into the next relationship. And then you already know, if, you've ever, if you don't understand it, you ought to try, is one bad apple will spoil the bunch. So if something is spoiled and bad, it will continue to mess up those things which are good. So David said, forget that. I don't want to go on in life having this bad heart. God created me a new one. Because I done did too much stuff with the old one. And, and that some of us are being honest today. We need to have that talk with God. We, 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 need, we need to say, you know what, God, I've been down this dead-end road. I've done this. I've continued to beat my head up against the wall. I've continued to do the same thing, and I continue to get the same thing, but I'm trying to get something different. But that don't make no sense. That's the definition of insanity. So sometimes you got to just stop trying to invent stuff and say, God created me. God created me a clean heart. I, I, I've done too many things. God, you anointed me to be in this position. You, 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 you know, you, you've anointed me to for such a time as this. You, you want me to be ruler over men. But God, I'm struggling behind closed doors. Some of us don't understand that because a lot, a lot, a lot of us like to look good in public, but we're broken down in private. Yeah, yeah, uh, I always say it like this. It's too many folk. I counsel too many folk and talk to too many folk who want to get married and been in relationships, and they want to have a $10,000 wedding, and they got a 10-cent marriage. It's some, there's something wrong. There, there, there's something wrong with us when we want everything to look good on the outside. But I'm here to tell you that if you don't clean up what's on the inside first, 
whatever is on the outside will be irrelevant. Because people have a way. You ever heard this saying, people wear their feelings on their sleeves? It don't matter if you're in a, in a Gucci outfit or if you're in something from the goodwill. If your heart is messed up and your head ain't working, then it's going to show on your face and in, in your behavior. And people going to know that something is wrong no matter how expensive the suit, the dress, the cologne, or the perfume. You know, there's something wrong in America where we have no problem spending $300 on, on shoes, $5,000 on, on, on uh, uh, rings, and uh, $500 and more on dresses and suits and things, all to look good on the outside. But then we won't spend $30 on a copay to go see a therapist. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't pay my copay because I am crazy. I pay my copay to keep me from going crazy. We, we need to get that stigma out of the community that, that there's something loony with us. There's something crazy with us or they off or something wrong with them because they're seeing a therapist. Because I know that, that, that more people should be seeing a therapist than a going. Yeah, you, you better stop holding all that stuff on the inside. You, you better stop talking to the wrong friends who ain't really trying to see you level up no ways. You, you better stop thinking that if you go to the next party or you do the next drink or the next drug or buy the next outfit, that things are going to get better. It's going to keep getting worse because when the inside is messed up, what's on the outside doesn't matter. David said, create in me a clean heart. God, I don't want to go on any further. I know you got this assignment. I know you got this anointing. But I'm going to keep on slipping, shucking, and ducking, and fooling around if you don't clean me up on the inside. You, 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 you know, some of us, some of us just don't understand when we're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing and allowing the wrong things to fester inside of us. I remember it was a preacher, he gave an example of the fact that some time ago, pythons entered into the Everglades. Pythons are not supposed to be in the Everglades, but alligators are. Alligators live there, that's where they've always been. But when this outside force, the python, got into the Everglades, it caused a problem with the ecosystem because it's not supposed to be there. But when something is not supposed to be there and they begin to have fun and think they're supposed to be there, this one particular 13-foot-long python rolls up on a 6-foot snake and thinks that snake is going to be his dinner. So that python kills that alligator. And then he begins to digest that alligator. Why is this important? That ain't making no sense. What's, what's that got to do with anything? Because the python was not supposed to be in the Everglades, so he was out of place. But then on top of that, when you're out of place and you need what you need, a source of food, he went to seek the alligator, which was not in his uh, diet anyways. But when he digested it, he died eating the alligator. All right, somebody missed that. That's because the python was in a place he was not supposed to be, and he allowed something to get inside of him that was not supposed to be there. I'm trying to tell you that when the wrong thing gets inside of you, not only will it not feel good, it can kill you. 
Oh, you got to work on what's on the inside of you, what's on the inside of you. Some of you right now are hurting and don't want nobody to know because you didn't just look good. We can hide a whole lot of things now with a mask. But see, a lot of a lot of people were wearing masks before we were wearing masks. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You can come up in here and you can shout with the best of them. You can hoop with the best of them. You might even have a melodic, uh, 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 angelic voice, and you might just break out into a song. And then when you go home, you cry yourself to sleep. I don't know, but what I'm trying to tell you again: if you don't get nothing else, you better get your spirit right. Because you can do the show, you can do the dance, you can do all of it. I, I know I'm going to offend some people right now, but I'm so sick and tired of this fake speaking in tongues because you want to look good in front of people. If God says he give you a foreign tongue, how come every time, 95% of the time, when you hear somebody speaking in tongues on the TV, on the radio, it sound the same? Y'all not fooling nobody. And it makes no sense. And then you got to stop. This text right here lets you know to stop playing around. Talking about something. You caught the Holy Ghost. What you mean you caught the Holy Ghost? Either you got it or you don't. David said, do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. You can't catch the Holy Spirit like a common cold. You either got it. Or you don't. And, 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 and truth be told, uh, uh, God is the only one who can give you the Holy Spirit. So you can pay all the tithes you want. You can go see all the big time apostles and bishops that you want. You can pay all the money for conferences you want. You can get smacked on the forehead 15 times and get put in oil till you look just like a greasy fool. You can do all these things. But until God gives you the Holy Spirit because you asked for it, you ain't got it. That's Bible. You know, it was a situation not too long ago when, when one of the prophets, I won't even say his name because I ain't going to put him out there like that, but he got a track record of saying some foolishness. And anyway, he had went around to a conference and everybody, he smacked him on the forehead, they falling out. He smacked this one on the forehead, they falling out. He got up to this one girl, smacked her one time. She ain't doing nothing. He smacked her again, she ain't doing nothing. And he walked away. He said, what you come to the conference for if you ain't want what I'm trying to give you? See, ain't nobody told her to tip. No, no, nobody had told her you're supposed to fall out. When, when, when the prophet hits you. you, you we got to stop there. We got too, we got too many P-R-O-F-I-T's. We got them kind of prophets. And you, and you better watch yourself before you wreck yourself. David said, I, I, I can't invent this thing, so God, I want you to create it. Create in me a clean heart. And renew in me. Man, this text is so rich. You don't even, we didn't even get before verses. And he said, bring back the joy of my son. This is why, this is why, this is why. I'm going to go ahead and say this. It, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say that. I, I said it on the way over here, so I'm just going to repeat it. I'm talking to my folks and people in the car. And, and I've seen it too many times. And again, I don't know if it's been done here. And I don't know because I don't know anybody here. So, so, take, so just, you know, blame, blame me for what I'm about to say. And that is, it's too many churches that play church. And I'm finding out yet again about another church that whenever they want to 
do what they want to do, they'll call a backyard meeting, change the bylaws, throw them out, because we're getting ready to do something stupid, so we don't need the bylaws to keep us right. We're going to vote them out just for a day, just for a moment, just for an hour. Then once we've done our foolishness, we're going to vote the bylaws back in with a few little corrections and white out, because now we're going to do what we want to do regardless. And you can ask them if I said this. Stay away from any church that has the audacity to want to skirt the rules just to have their way. Something wrong with that. There's something dangerously wrong with a church that don't care about their rules until the rules apply to them, then we got to fix them. I ain't saying don't amend things. Time happens and, and change happens and you got to make amendments. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But you've been living long enough to know right from wrong. We don't need to make the, make the speed limit 70 out here when it should be 35 just because you got a heavy foot. That's what I'm saying. It's there to protect people uh, and give them safety on their way home. Oh, but it's something dangerous when we don't see the error of our ways. That's my next point. In order to get created in a new heart, you've got to see the error of your ways. And not only do you have to see the error of your way, that's why it's good to have accountability team. That's why it's good to have a relationship with your leadership. So that you can, somebody can pull you out to the side and say, hey, wait a minute. We need to tighten up on this. Let's go back to that. When you first learned how to drive, you went to driving school or you had a driving instructor. Nobody in here got it right the first time. Everybody needed a little bit of instruction, a little bit of guidance. Somebody to tell you, wait a minute, you got to put your signal on right here. Wait a minute, don't follow too close. Wait a minute, you're going too fast. This is when you ought to put the windshield wipers on. Or this is when you need to do somebody was giving you some instruction because you didn't get it right all the time. But we live in a society now where we don't like accountability. We was at a soiree last night. The very definition of that means that it's a formal event. You ought to look nice. You know, that's a cuss word a lot of times in today's society. You know, don't, don't, don't let me lose you now, but back in the 50s and 60s, they used to wear suits and, and hats and everything to go to the baseball game. They wanted to look good. They threw on the best that they had to go shopping. So when you go to an event, that requires you to look good. And you have the audacity or the nerve or the mitigated gall, whatever words you like to use, to come in, look in any kind of way with your shorts, your t-shirt, your flip-flops, or your midriff, whatever the case is. You know what that suggests? There's a few people like this, maybe one or two in here. The only column you can put them in is the I don't care column. You don't care. You don't care about rules. You don't care about restrictions. You don't care about instructions. You're going to do what you want to do just because you can do it. And then here's where you got the problem. When you dare somebody to say something. See, back in the day, the young ladies would have had the old ladies say, hey, wait a minute. We don't dress like that. 
We don't wear that. Oh, we're going to this event. We don't, we don't, no, you don't dress like that. Not to this type of event. You can dress like that over there doing this, that, and the other. But where we're going, you got to dress like this. Yeah. You got to act like this. Yeah. I'll never forget. And I consider myself halfway intelligent fella, halfway dignified. But I was at a church event. One of the first times I went to one. You know one of them banquets where you got to pay $50, go celebrate somebody. You know, and everybody dress up nice and give you a little dinner. Look, I'm from the country. When I see chicken, I know how to eat chicken. But my mentor was sitting beside me. I was getting ready to do the chicken what I always do. Y'all know how y'all eat chicken. He tapped me on the hand like real quick. He said, man, you don't eat like that. Not up in here. We're in a formal event. Get that fork and knife. I said, man, that's chicken. He said, don't matter. Don't matter. He said, don't matter. Look at where you at. And I looked around, saw all these dignified folk, some of the who's who of Richmond in ministry and everything. All right, all right. But he held, he was somebody who held me accountable. Didn't want me to embarrass myself. Where are those folk at now who will pull you up, pull you by the side, and say, no, that's not how we do that. It should be done this way. And so be very afraid or scared of the person that never wants to admit they're wrong. In order to get a clean heart, you got to know your heart been dirty. It's the only way you're going to ever ask God for a clean heart. But when you're self-righteous, pious, uppity, Holy Ghost filled, sanctified, too much for your own self, too big for your britches, then you're never going to say, God created me a clean heart. God humbled me. If my head didn't got too big, God, put me back in my place. God, if I've been disrespectful, you let me say this too. It's never Sunday morning normally that runs people from church. It's never normally Wednesday Bible study that offends people. It's never Sunday school that gets people upset. You know where folk get their feelings hurt and, and cuffs uh, get rolled up and, and shoes get tightened? It's normally in a business meeting. I don't understand how you lose Christ in your business meeting when you didn't have him all week long. But all we're trying to do is crunch numbers, put figures together, put a comma over here and a period over here, and help this person put them in position. And that's when feelings come out. That's fine, nobody. You've never seen that. I done seen it. In more place than one. And it's sad. I'd have seen a new church member come to a business meeting and get to crying because the older church member was acting ignorant over who was going to be a chairperson and who was going to hold a position. And I had to get up and say, we didn't reduce ourselves to this. This is what we're doing. Who wants to come to that kind of atmosphere? But we say we're doing what God wants us to do. David said, created me. God, I know I'm anointed. I know I'm appointed. But I didn't messed up. So creating me. So for in order for restoration to happen, you got to admit there's a disconnection. Something about David said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm, I'm getting too far. I'm getting, I'm getting too far off course. 
Yeah, we're talking about the same David. We're talking about the same David that, that, that nobody looked to. Everybody went to all of his brothers and thought that they were going to be next in order because David did not look the part. David, matter of fact, David didn't even look the part so much that when, that when the prophet came and, and was talking to the father about who was going who was, who was to be that one, David wasn't even in the room because he was overlooked all his life. Always told to go do something else. But he didn't understand then that while, while, while they were supposed to be the big burly ones, that he was out there tending the sheep and being a little shepherd boy. But that was grooming him for greater, for what God had for him. But then through all of that, through all of that, David started slipping. But watch this. And I'm going to leave you with this. This is what I like. This is what I really like about this text. Just because you were a bad student doesn't mean you won't be a great teacher. Oh, David was a bad one. David was slipping and sliding more times than you could count. But because of his life's experiences, all the mistakes that he made, all the things he had done wrong, when it came time for him to teach, it's right here in the text. You might have missed it. Verse 13 says, then I will teach the rebellious your way. Do you realize that God has allowed you to make all the mistakes you've made, to do all the nonsense you've done so that you can teach somebody behind you better? I'm going to say something that people have been saying all, all their life, and it's a big lie. You know what the big lie is? People say experience is the best teacher. How many of you ever heard that? Yeah. Biggest lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. You want to know why? Because you don't have to experience everything to understand that it's wrong. Why do you have to put your hand on a hot oven to know that it'll burn you? Experience is not the best teacher. It's the hardest teacher. We need to correct our language. It's far from the best, but it is the hardest. And so you need to understand that David in this text, he said, because of all I've been through, because of all I've experienced, because of all God has saved me from and to, I'm going to teach somebody behind me. I'm going to teach the next generation behind me. I'm going to latch on to those who are coming up behind me. And I'm going to show them a better way. But before I do, God, it's the same thing David is asking us to do. Get my spirit right. I cannot go to the next level with this spirit, in this condition, in this shape. I ain't built for it. So God create in me. A clean spirit and renew a right heart in me. Amen. Amen.